From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Endometrial cancer is the most common cancer of the female reproductive organs. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about its diagnosis and treatment is Upstate Medical University Division Chief for Gynecologic Oncology, Dr. Mary Cunningham. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Cunningham. Good morning. Let's start with a definition of what is endometrial cancer. Well, endometrial cancer is a cancer that starts in the lining of the uterus, which is called the endometrium. So the uterus is the organ that um, where a baby grows, and the endometrium is the cavity on the inside of the uterus where the baby develops. Um, cancers can start in other areas of the uterus, but the most common area for cancers to start is in the endometrium, in that lining portion. And is this a common type of cancer? Do you see it that often? Well, we do. It's the most common gynecologic cancer, and it actually happens in about 3% of women. So about, about 1 in 30, 1 in 33 women will develop endometrial cancer over the course of their life. Now, from what I understand, endometrial cancer can be detected early because it frequently produces abnormal vaginal bleeding. But can you explain to me what is normal and abnormal for vaginal bleeding? Sure. Well, one of the the most common age group for endometrial cancer to occur is in women who have already gone through menopause. And I find that one of the things that's confusing for women is what's when is bleeding normal versus abnormal around the time of menopause. Medically, we define menopause as having no periods for a whole year. So once there have been no periods for a year, then any bleeding after that, even if it's just a little bit and even if it's just one time, is abnormal. Oh. But the other thing I'd like to, I'd like to just um, point out is that around the time of menopause, there really are, are two common normal patterns for menopause. One is that bleeding becomes lighter and lighter and lighter and then just stops, but the periods are still regular during that time. And the other, the other common pattern is that women start skipping periods. So they might have a normal period now and then skip two months and have another normal period and then skip another two or three months. And gradually the time in between periods gets longer and longer. And the periods might be slighter, slightly heavier than normal, but they shouldn't be terribly long with lots of blood clots or lots of irregular bleeding. That kind of bleeding isn't normal at any age. So that is something to ask your doctor about. Absolutely. And if a woman hasn't gone through menopause by the time she's in her mid to late 50s, she needs to see her gynecologist and make sure that everything's okay. Okay. Now, aside from bleeding, are there other symptoms to be aware of? Well, the most common is abnormal bleeding, and most people have abnormal bleeding and otherwise feel fine. And this is where it gets a little, a little sneaky because a woman can have a little bit of spotting for a couple of days and otherwise feel fine, and that's the only sign that there's a cancer developing. Um, sometimes women will have some pelvic pressure or pelvic pain, um, but that's much less common. So how quickly does a woman need to act if she sees some abnormal bleeding? Is that an emergency room visit, or is that a check with your doctor? Generally speaking, that's a, that's a call to your doctor. Um, if you have a gynecologist, that's a call to your gynecologist. If you don't have a gynecologist, a call to your primary care, and then they will start the evaluation and get you hooked up with a gynecologist if, if necessary. So what does the evaluation consist of? What kind of tests could a woman expect? So initially, uh, the evaluation would be a 
an examination. Um, so going into the office and having a pelvic examination to make sure that everything appears normal. Not all abnormal bleeding is from endometrial cancer. There are lots of other reasons to have some abnormal bleeding, and a lot of them are really nothing to, nothing to worry about. So it, the evaluation is going to start off with doing a pelvic examination and then oftentimes doing an ultrasound to look at the, at the thickness and the contour of the endometrial lining, as well as doing a biopsy or doing a DNC. You mentioned D and C. What can you explain that term? Sure. Um, that's a so when we're trying to diagnose an endometrial cancer, we want to get some tissue from the cavity up inside the uterus. So sometimes we can do that by by sliding a small suction device into the uterus in the office, but in some women that's not possible or it's too uncomfortable, and so we go into the operating room and do a dilation and curettage, which is abbreviated D and C where we give the patient some anesthesia and open the cervix a little bit so that we can put in a camera and put in instruments to take some biopsies. Then the pathologist can look at them under the microscope. Can you visualize, can you see the cancer in the endometrium? We can't see it at a pelvic examination. If we do a DNC, we can put a small camera up inside the uterus. It's called a hysteroscope. And with that device, we can actually look at the lining of the uterus. So it actually looks different where the cancer is? It can, but the diagnosis is really made um, on a biopsy that's sent to the pathologist. So it's looked at under the microscope by the pathologist. So is endometrial cancer, is that um, a fast-growing cancer that you need to act quickly with? Well, we don't really... um, diagnose a cancer, and then wait to see how fast it grows. So how fast a cancer grows is always um, a little bit tricky to answer. But I think that um, this is the sort of situation where if a woman's having notices that she's having bleeding after menopause, she should not wait to call um, because um, the value, the, there's really no benefit and a lot of risk to waiting to see if it comes back. Um, This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Mary Cunningham. She's the Division Chief of Gynecologic Oncology at Upstate, and we're talking about endometrial cancer. So I wanted to talk about uh, the treatment options. Um, Most of the time this is caught early, hopefully. That's right. What are the options then if a woman, um, if the biopsy comes back positive? So the vast majority of women with endometrial cancer are going to be cured with surgery. This is, this is cancer of the uterus, and the treatment usually is to remove the uterus, which is a hysterectomy. Okay. okay. And that gets rid of the cancer? In most cases, yes. And in most women, they've, they're already through menopause or around the time of menopause, so they've already completed having their children. So okay. there, are, there are other options for women who are very young and haven't had children. There are some cases where we can treat without doing a hysterectomy. And for women who are elderly and maybe uh, aren't able to go through surgery because of other medical problems, it can sometimes be treated with medication or with radiation treatment. Uh, Medication being like chemotherapy? Medication actually being a hormone treatment. Oh, These are usually hormonally active uh, cancers, so... Does uh, endometrial cancer tend to spread to other organs? 
for most women at the time of diagnosis, it's in the endometrium and possibly in the muscle that forms the wall of the uterus. But again, if you remove the uterus, the muscle goes too, right? That's correct. That's correct. So in most women, the, the disease is confined to the uterus at the time of diagnosis. But it can spread into the cervix. It can spread into the lymph nodes. And then from there, it can also spread into other distant areas, the lungs, the bone, etc. But that's much less common. Are there any other types of treatment sort of on the horizon that you're aware of? So the, the biggest innovation that's happened in endometrial cancer treatment in the last couple of years is what's called a sentinel node dissection. And um, what that entails um, is a way of identifying the most important lymph nodes to take out at the time of surgery. So previously, we would take out large groups of lymph nodes because we didn't know for an individual person which lymph node might be the best one to take out. And this allows us to individualize for, for the vast majority of patients and just take out a few of the most important lymph nodes instead of taking out large groups of lymph nodes. Are the lymph nodes located close to the uterus? The ones that we take out, yes. Um, okay for the most part. Now, some of them um, are located higher up in the abdomen, around the aorta and vena cava. And there are actually some women in whom those are the most important lymph nodes to take out. So doing the sentinel node dissection helps us tailor the operation to the individual person. Okay. All right. Great. Well, do we have ideas about the cause of endometrial cancer? I think in the beginning you said um, one in three women May about up? one in 30. One in 30. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know which one out of 30 can we predict? Well, so the general population risk is about one in 30, but the biggest risk factor for endometrial cancer in the United States is being obese or overweight. Um, mm-hmm. If you're 30 pounds overweight, it's estimated that your risk of endometrial cancer is tripled. So wow. it's a huge increase in risk. And when they've when they've done studies of which cancers, which cancer risks go up in, in people who are overweight or obese, endometrial cancer is always at the top of the list. Now, why would that be? Why would my weight have anything to do with my uterus? Well, it turns out that other hormones that are in your body are converted into estrogen in fat cells. So the more fat cells you have, the more estrogens your body is producing. And these tumors are, are in large part caused by very high levels of estrogen in your system. And as the nation has seen an increase in obesity over the past few decades, have we seen a rise in endometrial cancer as well? Well, we have, and the average patient who comes in with endometrial cancer is, is obese. Okay. Yeah. Well, are there other factors besides weight? Sure. And not everybody who develops endometrial cancer is obese or overweight. Okay. Um, there are, the other major thing that we, that we like to make sure that people are aware of is that it's important to be aware of family history. And endometrial cancer occurs in some cases due to a gene that also can increase the risk of colon cancer. So colon cancer and endometrial cancer and sometimes ovarian cancer and breast cancer 
can all be due to the same genetic abnormality. So if a patient has a large number of family members who've had colon cancer, especially colon cancer at younger ages, um, they need to be, they need to be uh, aware of the risk of endometrial cancer. In terms of someone um, who's treated for this, um, do, you, do you say cured when you do the hysterectomy and it's removed and they don't have endometrial cancer? Is that considered that they're cured? Well, cure is if you live the rest of your life and your cancer never comes back. Okay. So, and that happens for about 80% of women overall with endometrial cancer. For the women who have um, cancer where it's just in the uterus at the time of diagnosis, it's about 90% will be cured of the cancer. So there is some that it may return? It may. And so we watch people carefully for about five years after the operation. Now, if you've removed the uterus, how can it come back? Does it appear in another organ nearby? Well, yeah, cancers come back not because of the cells that we have removed and sent to the lab. Um, cancers come back because there are individual cells that are too small for us to see that have escaped from the initial area that, that they were located. So the areas that we worry about endometrial cancers coming back are at the top of the vagina and in the pelvic area. Um, those are the two most common areas. It can less commonly come back at other in other areas as well. If someone um, has been diagnosed with endometrial cancer, does that mean she has a greater risk for colon cancer or breast cancer or another type of cancer? So in general, women who, or anybody who's had a cancer diagnosis is at a higher risk of developing a second cancer. Because there are some of the same genetic um, risk factors and hormonal risk factors, women with endometrial cancer do have a somewhat higher risk of colon cancer and breast cancer. So they need to be vigilant Absolutely. for those. Colonoscopies and mammograms. Is that some of, you said you, that you follow them for at least five years after. Is Correct. that some of what is being done during those five years? We do, we do um, their surveillance for colon cancer and for breast cancer. And we also do careful examinations to make sure that there's no sign that there's any recurrence. Now, is there anything a woman needs to do different in terms of like diet or lifestyle after she's been diagnosed and treated for endometrial cancer? Well, so, um, you know, maintaining a healthy weight is helpful at any age. And that's helpful in women who have had endometrial cancer as well as in people who have not. Um, so all of those healthy lifestyle things are the, are the main things that we recommend. All right. Well, that's great advice. I want to say thank you to Dr. Mary Cunningham. She's a professor of obstetrics and gynecology and the division chief of gynecologic oncology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.